Wow, so good to see you uh, here this morning. Thanks for the introduction there, Nate, and thanks for the worship uh, band and everybody who's put on this morning. And thank you to the kids, teachers, if you can hear us. We're so great to have you back um, uh, leading our kids. And yeah, so amazing to be stepping in another week into 2023 with you. Who feels good about 2023? Yeah. Yeah, I remember when 2020 came along, we were thinking about all the branding, all the things, and we, we realized after that year that don't try to brand the year before it's happened. Um, but this year for us, at least in terms of our preaching, uh, we know where we're going to go. We, uh, again, as mentioned in the booth there, we're coming out of a, a series at asking ourselves, why did Jesus come? Uh, let me open my laptop so I can remember what we did, but um, Nathan kicked off the series with talking about Jesus came um, so that the kingdom of God uh, would come and be reestablished on the face of the planet Earth. And uh, then we talked about after that, that Jesus came because we needed, we absolutely needed the free gift of grace. There's no way that we could be right with God without the physical Son of God, Jesus coming, dying on the cross for us. Without Jesus, we were hopeless. So kingdom, grace, and then Katie preached a banger. It was on that uh, Jesus came to heal our brokenness. That yes, we have right standing with God one day when we see him face to face, but actually here now, the Holy Spirit, the words of Jesus are at work to heal our brokenness. There's healing for our bodies, there's healing for our minds, our souls, our spirits, all of it. Jesus wants to make right with him. And then to begin 2023, because we're a few people short last week. Why, why was that? No, just kidding. It's fine. We, me and Camilla were in bed by 9.30 because that's the type of people we are now, apparently. Um, maybe next year we'll do something. But uh, to start the year off, we just felt uh, that God wanted to remind us that Jesus said that he came to destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> that actually... If we examined what was present in our lives, the, the way the enemy had tried to detract from what God had wanted to do uh, over the past decade in your life or the last year in your life, that actually we could see and examine the, en- the lies that the enemy tried to sow into us as individuals, as communities, as, as cultures, all of this other stuff. And actually Jesus came to destroy the chief work of the devil, which is lying about what God wants to do, lying about the hope that Jesus came to deliver. And that is especially good news for us because as we step into this year, we remind ourselves that we serve a powerful king who wants to destroy the enemy. I know that that kind of verbiage resonates with our kids because it hits them at a core and fundamental level of fighting as, they, as boys grow up and, and love that sort of thing. But as for us as well, Jesus' very words that he came to destroy the works of the devil As Ethan mentioned there in the booth as well, we're sort of caught between series now. And I do want to say that we're going to be in the lead up to Easter, which is about 11 weeks away. Well, it's exactly 11 weeks away. um, That actually, we're going to keep focusing on Jesus in this season. We at least know how we're going to start off the year, and that's in the Gospels, looking at the life and testimony of Jesus to say, Jesus, what do you have for us today? As we're wrestling with the subjects that are, that, are, that are going on in our culture, all these different things, what do you have for us today? And as we're talking as an eldership team in December and then just sending some, some stuff out earlier this week is that I feel like God just wants us to go to the Gospels and find the key messages for our people this season as we begin this out. 
Who knows that Jesus said some tough stuff in his Gospels? It's true. There's a guy by the name of uh, Tim Mackey. He's, he's one of the guys who's uh, around the Bible Project and all that other stuff. And he said, the moment you get comfortable with Jesus is the moment that you've stopped listening to him. And I want to say that is true for us, church. The moment you become comfortable with little baby Jesus who fits in the manger is the moment you don't consider what he says later in life. The moment we become comfortable as as a church with the name of Jesus and considering what he says is sometimes the moment where we've stopped going further and deeper and more inwardly into what he said and did. So as we go as a church, as a people, as a community, will you agree with us that we want to go deeper into God's teaching, into the words of Jesus Christ? I am excited um, about this, and I am excited um, to what God is going to say and do. We're going to keep it open to to what the Holy Spirit wants to say as well. We know that the Word of God is living and active, and we as an eldership team will will navigate this season. So pray for us. Um, Pray for Paul, who's up next week to deliver maybe what is after the transition of this series. But as we sort of get caught between a series which is all about becoming like Jesus— looking at his words, seeing what it has as for him. I just want to tie up a few loose ends to say, what are the things, what are some more of the things of why did Jesus come? If you've watched the series, The Chosen, or you've, you know, you've read your, your Bibles, you will, you will know this thing that Jesus formed this group of 12 around him. Um, we looked actually last week a little bit um, where Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness by, by the devil. And then after that, he begins his ministry. And he begins his ministry by calling people around him. And what was the words that Jesus came when he, when he called them? He said, come, follow me. We realize that if we are going to examine the question of why did Jesus come, I want to say the first point for us here this morning is church, that Jesus came to be followed. He didn't come just to preach. He didn't come just to leave a trail. He didn't come just to leave messages along the way. He came to be followed. And the journey of discipleship was not an easy one for those people who took up apprenticeship to Jesus. Over the three years of Jesus' ministry that those people followed him, they saw how he, he spoke to the, 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 the very powerful people. He saw how he ministered to the very weak people. He called the disciples to follow him. And in God's wisdom, God knew that his people wouldn't just be saved by the prophets or the law or by sending messages from heaven. That actually as a humanity, as people, as deeply relational beings that you and I have been created to be, that God wanted to send himself in physical form, his very son, the person of Jesus. And we realize that Jesus came in physical form because he wanted to have relationship. And the way he described relationship to his disciples and to everyone around him with some, some of the maybe very challenging messages that we'll look at later in this series is that how we will follow him, what it takes to follow him, what we have to put down to follow him. But chiefly, we realize that Jesus came to be followed. In John 12, 26, 
Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is a challenge for us this morning that if we are servants of Christ, if we are disciples of Christ, then actually God calls us into his physical location. For the disciples at that time, it literally meant, come behind me, come follow me, come follow in my exact footsteps. But we know in our own culture, in our own city, that, that we don't have Jesus physically with us. But we want to say that Jesus, if he was here, would go places. He would not stand still. He would not set up a store at the mall and ask people to come see him. He would go. And as he challenges us through these scriptures to say that if anyone serves me, he must follow me. The question for his church in 2023 must be, where is Jesus going in our city? It's the question we're asking ourselves. It's the question that has sought out most of us here this morning. Jesus finding us at different places, different times, by through different people ministering to us. And we realize that God's love and heart for the city is many magnitudes of order greater than we have ourselves. And if we are following Jesus, then we go where he goes. Jesus says the same thing to us this morning, come follow me. Will you lay things down? Will you come follow me? It's physical. It's positional. Come follow me just isn't in book work or prayer work. It's in going work. It's positional. There's a difference, right, when we're a servant or where we're a fan, I can, be fan, I can be a fan of so many things. I could list you the TV shows I watched in 2022, and the, I'm re-watching The West Wing. Anybody like The West Wing here? I know it's a few years old, but man, I love The West Wing. It's so cool. No one put their hand up. You go home and watch The West Wing. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing about the American president. I don't know why I watch it. I'm not really political at all. But I'm a fan of that. I don't follow it. It's an idea, it brings up good ideas. It gives me warm, fuzzy feelings. It makes me feel proud and energized in different things as I watch it. But being a fan of it is completely different to the things that you follow. Following someone is completely different to being a fan of them. And Jesus says, where I am, there my servants will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I'm reminded of those words of Jesus that he said in Matthew 20, 20, uh, 25, verse 33. He said, and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. This is talking about the end time when Jesus judges those who come to him. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And in verse 35, Jesus says this to the people who are being judged. Come in, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. We see through the life and ministry of Jesus that that, he, that was fully what he was doing at that time. And the call for us as Oceanside Church as we go and we examine what it's going to be like to become and follow Jesus more closely. 
Again, it's positional, it's relational, it's as we go, and God will remind us as we stand before him one day of that when we did those things amongst those people, that it was actually for Jesus that we were doing those things. How often we forget, how often we forget to go. And Jesus says in John 8, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Church, Jesus came to be a followed. Do you agree? Do we agree? Will we go where Jesus goes? Will we go in Jesus goes, where Jesus goes? The second thing, I've got four things for us here this morning. The second thing that I have for us today as we finish up that series is that Jesus came so that we would be conformed to his image. Jesus is asking us to go. Jesus asked his disciples to follow him. But through that following of him, he was teaching, he was instructing, he was transforming the very nature of who they were before they knew him into now who they're going to be after they've met him and followed him. In Romans 8.29, it talks about what's going to happen to us. What's going to happen to us when, fully, when God fully transforms us at the end of the age? So this isn't right now. This is looking to the future. But in Romans 8.29, he says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn, the firstborn among many brothers." Church, it's important that we know that if we're going to put up our hands to say, yes, this year I will examine and I will go to Jesus and I will ask him, Lord, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to follow this year? It's important for us to know our final destination in Jesus Christ. And that is this thing that we will be conformed to his image. I'm challenged and perplexed by the imagery that he finishes off that quote by saying, he's the firstborn amongst many brothers. How could I ever be like a brother to Christ? I'm a servant. I am, I am down here. I'm so low. There's, I have no position before Christ. But no, actually, Scripture challenges us that, that our final position, we will be so like Christ, transformed into his likeness when we see him face to face, that it will be as like we were his very family, this very brotherhood of God. That is our hope. And that is our destination. And it's important, church, that we know our final destination because the chief sin of this world today is that word that it used there in Romans 8.29, the word conformed. It's not a sexy word. It's not a word that will get you out of bed in the morning. Hey, come be conformed. It sounds like an oppressive word. Do you agree? It sounds like an oppressive word because we are taught that it's an oppressive word. Indeed, to be conformed is to be constrained and constricted. It's to have law put on you. It's all these other things our culture would say. And indeed, our culture is at work, putting, putting work night and day to throw off conformity. The chief sin of our world today is, is conformity. To be conformed is sin for our world. But Jesus, through the book of Romans, through the Apostle Paul, reveals to us that actually our final destination is to be conformed into his likeness. I know that before the creator God that what that means I have no clue out just yet. 
other than I will be like Christ. We know that if we look around the world today that there is something of the creator God that is diverse beyond all appropriate measure. He could have stopped at one type of person looking one type of way. He could have stopped at one gender. He could have stopped at one plant species or one uh, fish species or all the other. But we realize that Jesus, God the creator, is is a diverse creator. But in the sense of our brokenness, in the sense of our struggle, we will be conformed to the image of our creator, Jesus Christ. The world says God's creation, order, and image is not good enough. It must be thrown off. But the Bible and Scripture teaches us that our future final destination is to be conformed to the image of His Son. And that's why I say the second point here this morning, you can just leave those, leave those up there, uh, Dre, if you can. Just Jesus came that we would be conformed to His image. But what does that mean for us today? The reason why Romans 8, or oh, sorry, the reasons why Romans 8 was, was talking about our final destination being conformed is we know that it's not something that happens in full to us right now. But church, we're lying if we think that it's not happening to us or it should not happen. John Stott said this. He says, it is this. God wants his people to become like Christ. For Christ-likeness is the will of God for the people of God. In John 17, Jesus says this, sanctify them, talking about us and his disciples. He said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Church. I know it's a hard word to hear that we will, should be conformed, that we should go and, and find a template of what it's like to live. That's opposite from, from what is told to us. But conforming to his image starts today. Jesus came so that he could be followed. Jesus came so that we could see the image of God in Christ Jesus and be conformed to that image today. And again, we know it's not yet. My favorite scripture in all the Bible, and I mentioned it last week, and I'll mention it again this week, and I'll probably mention it again every week, because it comes up to me every week on how much I need this. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Why is this my favorite verse? But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John, again, is reminding himself and reiterating Jesus' teaching that what we will be transformed into one day has not yet appeared. What he's saying is, we still struggle. We haven't arrived. Our ticket is stamped and sealed. It's paid in full. But we are still in a journey to get to that final destination. And John knows that struggle. And indeed, this this scripture comes right before he talks about struggling with sin and throwing off those things. But he encourages us before talking about that, that beloved, we are his children 
And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when, we, when he appears, we shall be like him. And church, the command for us in 2023 is verse 3 of that, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself. Many of us have been following Jesus for a number of years, and there have been seasons in your life where God has come, uh, you've gone into a year, one year, one way, and you've come out a year with a completely different way of going. God has, is just working at speed in your life. You can, you can look back. And then there's seasons of our lives, and everybody goes through these seasons where, it's, where it seems like, God, what are you doing? I feel like I struggle with the same things that I did last year. I, I think like all of this stuff. The challenge for us, and one of the things for us as we look at this 11-week series, church, is that we don't want to get stuck in that stagnant place. The idea that creator God, who gave us his Holy Spirit, wants us to stay stuck under bondage to things that we already struggled with for way too long is a complete lie of the enemy. God has got hope for us. And it's the hope, it's this thing that God does. When I remind myself of what I will be like one day, that gives me transformational hope today. And it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's the hope that I can get through it, that I can look to him, that I can go to him when tempted amongst all the other things. And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself. Because later it says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. My most comforting verse of the Bible is probably next to my most scary verse of the Bible. Why did you put that together, Lord God? That's, you bring me in and then you... No, he never does that. But we can get stuck sometimes in these thinkings of like, sometimes scripture is written, it's, it's black or white. And we'll look a little later about how, we're, how, we're, how we can see this journey taking place. But I want to challenge us, church, as we set out on this ship, as we set sail, as we set the rudder, as we set a course, and asking the Holy Spirit what to do, is that Jesus wants us to be conformed into his likeness. Some of the greatest issues that our culture has with Christians is that we don't look very much like Jesus. Is that, that perhaps their experience with Christianity would be different if Jesus was here today as opposed to some of his people. It's important, church, that we go to God and God works through imperfect people. If God waited for perfection, he would have never left. All right? But he set the Holy Spirit to all of us that we could do this work amongst him. And indeed, we are here today through imperfect people working who haven't yet fully arrived. But church, we need to go into 23 asking God to conform us to the image of his son. The reason why it's important that we remind ourselves that it's our final destination is because in that same reminding, we remind ourselves it was the very thing we were created for. And actually, our struggles, our bents, our anger, all of our desires that are not met come today because we are not yet like him yet. It's the hope for the broken. It's the hope for the, lock, for the lost. It's the hope for the people who aren't healed because one day when I'm like him, I won't be broken in my physical body either. 
One day we will be like him. We remind us of our final destination because it is what we were created for. And the world around us tries to give its best go at it. Again, most of the time with what culture is struggling through, I have compassion on them because they just don't know God and they're just trying to do their best to fix the brokenness. And that's their answer. That's their solution. But we know because of the final destination, we know because it's God's creation, we know because it's our final destination in that hope that that will never fix it. It's the hope for our city. Do we agree? A city that becomes more like Christ is a hopeful city. And we know by the articles that came out late last year that we know the work is cut out for us. But I believe that God wants to do a mighty work in this city. Do you agree? Where it's the darkest, the light will shine. It's time to stop living as like this hope that we have is just for us. And pray for those opportunities with the down and out, with the broken. Not with the proud. When you, when you go to the proud, you just get a fight. Go to the people who are lost. Go to the people who need an answer that they're at the end of themselves. Because there Jesus is ministering and there he is in our city. Will we seek to be conformed into his image, church? Yes, we will this year. The next thing. This is a challenging word here this morning. And I've really been stressed this week because it's been challenging me as well. (laughs) So all the best preachers cause a preacher to quiver before they get up there. But the next thing that Jesus came, I just want to say we can, we can do our best. It's already up there. That's fine. But Jesus came so that we would obey his word. Again, we can present this nice, I think as a millennial, I grew up in the in the season of when the Western church was asking itself of what it would be like to get people to come in and meet Jesus. And the solution that the Western church had at the time was to be seeker-sensitive. It's not a bad word in and itself, and it's always wrong when you run things after, after things too heavily, right? When we come up with a man-made solution for a teaching of God, it can be troublesome. But I definitely grew up in that era where we were asking ourselves, how can we make this image of Christ to be more presentable to the people around us? How can we make the Son of God, how can we entice people to come in? And and indeed, there was many great movements that um, sort of came along in this size. And and again, I I hate uh, uh, things that sort of pick apart the people that have come before. God was doing a thing in that season, and it worked. But every movement in some of those ways, when we go a bit out of the ways that God has, has put those boundaries in, the thing that came across is that we softened up Jesus a lot of the time. We didn't teach the things that he, he said to his disciples. The reality was that when Jesus was around, that not everybody followed him. Why not? He was you know, a wizard who could create food and heal people. Why didn't everybody follow him? You'd be ridiculous. And then we ask ourselves, why did they nail him to a cross? Because the words that Jesus said were deeply offensive to the people who weren't ready to receive it. The deeply offensive to the people who who weren't knowing. And the byproduct of that is a lot of us have grown up in a church who aren't familiar with the challenges that sometimes Jesus wants to bring. And church, 
the reason why that seeker-sensitive movement came and the reason why all these different movements come is because you can sometimes run hard into the hard teaching of God and then you can, you can stop where he said, hey, little children, come to me. He can, you can, you for, can forget the words, it's give me your burdens and, and all this other stuff. But we as a leadership team need to teach you the whole counsel of what Jesus said. And there is this feeling in the Western church is that we are a little too comfortable with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, the words of Tim Mackey. When you become comfortable with Jesus, you've probably stopped listening to what he says. And in this series, we want to remind ourselves Jesus came so that we would obey his word. We always go to it, the Great Commission. It's the last words of Jesus in in the Gospel of Matthew before he ascends, and it's the last commissioning words that he gives to his disciples, and it's the reason, it's the very words, the, the reason why we are here today in Canada. We are very far away from Jerusalem, would you agree? It has come. The gospel has come to the ends of the earth. Can you believe it? Nanaimo, it's come. They wouldn't even be able to say the name like the rest of the world can't even know. But Jesus, in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18, says, And Jesus came to them, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we stop there. We say, go, therefore, baptize, therefore, name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all of that. And sometimes we chop off the end of the command. But verse 20 says this. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Depending on your version of the Bible, that was the ESV, the NIV and the NLT um, says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And the message just says something poetic or something. No, just kidding. The message says practice. But the words of Jesus, observe or obey, we're a little bit indecisive about what exactly he said there. But it's a challenge. Teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. The trick for us, the twist that the enemy would like to twist for people who are already saved, because he can't do anything about people who are already saved. Your destination is set, your ticket is stamped and sealed. But the twist that he would like to do is to say, okay, your salvation's good, now huddle in a room on a Sunday morning and keep your faith inside that box. The enemy is not scared of a church who stays nicely within its boundaries. The enemy is very scared of a church that is being taught and is going forward into everything that Jesus commanded them, would you agree? The Great Commission ended with, teach them. What are some of the scariest teachings of Jesus? We're going to go. Maybe we should, that's what, maybe the name of the, that's your week next week, Paul. It's great having Paul to come clean up the mess afterwards. That's perfect. But Jesus said some, some things, right? 
Jesus said some things that we haven't yet fully arrived in. And yes, we will never fully arrive into fully obeying Jesus' teaching. It's a lifelong journey. And if you think you've seen someone who's doing it perfectly, it's a complete lie. <laughs> and there's strong words for those type of people who claim that, they've, that they're perfect uh, in that thing. But love your enemies. Turning the other cheek. The amount of times that Jesus taught about money and finances. Don't worry about anything. Seek God. How about Matthew 7 where he says, Many are on the path to destruction, and only a few by that narrow road leads to life. How often do we go there? You must deny yourself and take up your cross. What does that mean? There is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean for the people we love? We rejoice when you are persecuted on account of Jesus. And the world hated Jesus so expect the world to hate you also, in John 15. There are many more teachings that Jesus said and taught that, that caused people to leave him. Even amongst the miraculous, even amongst the, the blessings and the healings and the provisions, people left him because the words of him were far too strong for what they could bear. Will we be a church that goes the other way from those hard teachings, or will we plow into them because we realize in those places there is life and life to the full. There is life in those places. John 14. Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. The challenge for me, as I prepared this message and I asked God what to share and what season for us to go in, was that is if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, Jesus, I don't keep all your commandments, so what does that mean for my love for you? What does that mean? And in verse 21 of the same chapter, John 14, he says, whoever has, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is, he, it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Church, the reason why we want to spend the next season looking at the teachings of Jesus is because Jesus speaks strongly about what it means to follow his word. Jesus speaks strongly about who he's going to give to help us along the way as well, even the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He has given us that. And if Jesus came so that we would obey his word, we see that the mechanism of obeying Jesus' commands are what in John 14? What is the mechanism? It's love. So the fourth point for us here this morning is if Jesus came to be followed, if Jesus came to, for us to be conformed into his image, if Jesus came that we would obey his commands, even the difficult ones, the ones that we don't like turning to sometimes, the fourth point for us this morning is that Jesus came that we would love him. And indeed, the fourth point is the most important point. It's the everything point 
It's the point that if you try to do the other three without first having this down, that you're going to mess up everything else anyway. The first three points is what the Pharisees were following. The first three points, you can do it all perfectly, but if you don't first love God and do it from a position of love, then it doesn't count for anything whatsoever. Jesus came so that we would love him. We can't move on from there. A guy by the name of Kevin DeYoung says this. He says, apart from our union with Christ, every effort to imitate Christ, no matter how noble and how inspired at the outset, inevitably leads to legalism and spiritual defeat. Who's still reading their Bible every day this year? Have you, have you done it? I can't remember what the, the stat is on when New Year's resolutions sometimes tank. I think it's around the, the 19th. Where are we? I think we're not there yet. Ten days until all our resolutions fail. But Kevin DeYoung says, sorry? At least, hi, I'm, I didn't even set any this year, so it's easy. Um, inevitably leads... I'm going to make a joke about my wife. Don't do it. Um, inevitably... So she's got enough for me already. Here, there we go. Okay, Done. Apart from our union with Christ, every effort to imitate Christ, no matter how noble or how inspired at the outset, inevitably leads to legalism and spiritual defeat. But once you understand the doctrine of the union with Christ, you see that God doesn't ask us to attain what we're not. He only calls us to accomplish what already is. The pursuit of holiness is not this quixotic effort to do it, uh, to do just what Jesus did. It's the fight to live out the life that has already been made alive with Christ. It's the fight to live out the life that has already been made alive in Christ. And how many scriptures remind us of that fact? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live. Indeed, in my study for this series about following Jesus and these other things, I realized that the word follow actually doesn't occur very much after the Gospels. I was like, oh, that's a problem for what we want to name the series and what we want to do. It seems like the apostles weren't actually following him. No. What they were saying is, yeah, you can't physically follow Jesus but because he's gone, but instead Jesus comes to inhabit with inside yourself. With inside you, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. But we're still met with the challenges of Jesus. The reason why we start church in the morning with worship is why? Why do we start out with worship? There's probably a few different reasons, but the, one of the main reasons is if we, don't, if we come to hear Scripture without first loving Jesus and reminding ourselves of what he's done for us, we'll get the message all wrong. We can't move on until we affirm our love for Christ. Again, in John 14, and if you want to do some reading this week, read John 14 and John 15. John 14, 24 says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
What do we do with these black and white statements? Again, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but before it says, whoever, 1 John 2 verse 4 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Scary words for an adolescent boy growing up. Scary words for us as fully-fledged adults in Christ. Scary words from the Bible. And indeed, just before that, in 1 John 2, he reminds us that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. We have an advocate in Christ if any of us does sin. But I want to say, and there's a... I think the idea here is that we're all caught up in this moment. The Bible is full of these black and white statements of like, if you, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. And if you don't follow my commandments, you don't, you don't love me. And there's few places in Scripture where we wrestle with that, and it's not our popular most verse to put on Instagram most of the time. And as we look at Jesus' teaching for 11 coming weeks this time, this is important that we figure this out of what does it mean when we're not living up to the standard of Jesus Christ? And we know fully well that none of us can achieve the standard of fully Christ. And I think a part of it is that piece of that word where it says, truly in him, the love of God is perfected. That we are being perfected. That we are going somewhere. And again, that we haven't arrived just yet. Dre, would you just put up that, that slide? It's got two sides to it. There is a before, there is a now, and there is a one day in Christ. There is a before Christ in our lives, and there is a perfectly with Christ in our lives. I want to say that when we are perfectly with Christ, when there's no barrier or physical, like we are there in the city, that is when we die, when we go, when we see him, when he reveals himself. It says that we with unveiled face will see God. And we realize that before Christ, Jesus is veiled. Jesus is veiled before Christ. But perfectly with Christ, Jesus is completely unveiled. Before Christ, we have the inability to love Jesus. John 14 tells us that. But when we're perfectly with Christ, we have that perfected love for Jesus. Before Christ, we're separated from Jesus. But then in Romans 10, it tells us that we will be fully with him and following him in that perfection one day. Before Christ, we're becoming like the world. And after Christ, we are wholly like Christ when we are perfectly in his presence. Before Christ, we're disobedient. But as 1 John 2 reminds us, after Christ, we are easily obedient to Christ. And John 15, after this chapter that we've been in, before Christ, we are not fruitful. We are fruitless. And when we are connected with Christ, we are all together fruitful. The position of us today and the position of where we work out those commands of Christ to say, those who love me follow my commands. I want to say that we are in the middle of this chart. We're in the now. We're in the now, man. 
live in the now. Okay. But that is the two black and whites. Scripture gives us a black and white in this area, but we realize that we are being perfected. And the thing that gets us from one side to the other, again, there's many more steps. There's justification, sanctification, all this stuff. But the thing that gets us further towards perfectly with Christ before we go see him one day and are made perfect with him is relationship with him and love for him today. Those who love me will keep my commands. Church, we cannot go forward in this series. And in fact, it would be dangerous to go forward into the commands of Jesus Christ without first loving him. Would you agree? Yeah. It's yeah. in fact dangerous for us to do that before we get the love of Christ first. Yeah. And I want to say for those of us who feel like we wouldn't live up to a series of hearing this, I want to say that we we're, we're all get pruned when we hear Jesus' words. Jesus, his message when he says, come abide in me, he says, I'm going to prune you so that you bear more fruit. Even those of people that you look around the room and you assume their lives are really great and the quiet times are really great, even those people will be pruned when listening to Jesus. And none of us have a perfect love for Jesus yet today. And because that love is not yet perfected from our side, our ability to follow those commands yet are not yet affected. Jesus is a graceful God. He is a loving God. And he is with us for the journey. He says, come and have faith like little children. Little children love their parents and know that they're going to be comforted. But... Just because it's scary to look at Jesus' commands, it's scary to evaluate sometimes where we are right now, God wants us to call, call us to a greater love to him and a greater ability to follow his command and a greater ability to look like him because it's too important. It's what we were created to be. And the city, the people around you, the people around us need to experience a people, a community that is Christ-like. And it's impossible to become Christ-like without looking and examining Christ, would you agree? Indeed, that idea is that when, when we behold Jesus with unveiled face, that we will become like him. And that's from 2 Corinthians 3, where it says... Behold, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That thing on this side, that before Christ we were veiled. But, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, um, where the, sorry, now, it'd be good if I could read, right? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's the reason why we start with worship. Because before we can be transformed, we need to look at the thing that we are being transformed into. Church, as a leadership team, 
We want our people, we want ourselves, we want our children, we want our community to be transformed into the likeness of Christ because that is what we were created to be. That's our final destination. Through that comes healing and freedom and all the amazing things that Jesus has promised for people who are living his, uh, uh, according to his life. Do you want that this year? Do you want that this year? It's like the question of being like the thing. I, there was a point in our marriage where we did P90X. Do you know what P90X is? It's so old, you still needed a DVD player. Think. I think we had one in our laptops, and that's how we did it. And every few days, you, you had to do one. It's an exercise program, and one that I did really well, you can see. But there's one program, it's called the Ab Cruncher. I'm like, Camilla would be like, yeah, it's time for the Ab Cruncher. I'm like, the Ab Cruncher? You've got to have abs to crunch to do an Ab Cruncher. I do not have that. <laughs> and indeed, we can do the same things when going through the Scriptures, just like, Man, I really like the idea of the final destination. I like the guy on the box of the DVD. He looks really cool. Like to, like to be like him. But when doing the things, when going the distance, it can be hard. But Christ, Christ is here for us. So as we finish up, and Nate, how do you how do you want to land? Do you want to band without band, with band without band? It's your choice. Nate's a without band, isn't he? Yes, good. There we go. Give me more time to land. <laughs> but as we land, we ask ourselves these four things as we, as we look to uh, a year of becoming like Christ. Is that we want to go where Christ goes. We want to become like his image. And it's actually possible to become more like Jesus. The fact that some of us think that, it's, that we, we, we just are saved and that's all it is and that we, we're, we're slaves to that sort of cycle of things that we go and go and go and go through, that's a lie of the enemy. The, the Bible never says that. The Bible says that that freedom, that journey, that becoming like Christ will continue if we surrender to God's processes. So don't stay the same. We want to become his image this year. And through that becoming like him, through it all, we want to obey his word. And if you think you can obey Jesus without the Holy Spirit, then you completely underestimate the spiritual nature of the battle that we will fight this year. Being obedient to God isn't so much about just being obedient, but it's about cultivating that relationship with Christ Jesus, seeing, beholding him as the beautiful, magnificent son of God that he is, and then becoming like that. It is a spiritual battle. You can force yourself to do things for a few weeks, the statistics tell us. But to have your life changed by the love of God, that will last forever. There's been a couple testimonies of what it means to have the, the, the love of God come and encounter you in life. Me and Camilla, we were going away for a couple days and we were just listening to a, a podcast of this a uh, gay guy who just, you know, was going another direction and, uh, and was just in sort of downtown Melbourne and, and in, in, a, in a community there, and he met a fashion designer, and uh, they got talking about his, his really troubled history with, with the church and how he'd been hurt, and uh, this lady just said, have you, have you ever felt the love of Jesus? And the guy's testimony is 
just that she started praying for him. And then in that moment, it wasn't anything else. It wasn't an argument. It was this, this thing happened to him that was just the washing love of Jesus in that completely bizarre moment where he's talking to this fashion designer from out of town. He completely transforms his life and now is preaching and teaching because he had this moment with the love of Christ. You see, he wasn't convinced by, hey, this is the created order or... Um, this is what Jesus said about that. He was convinced by the love of Christ. And he said when he had that feeling, he had never experienced anything like it. And he spent, spends the rest of his time chasing what it means to be loved by God. If we try and follow, if we try and be obedient, if we can try to be created into his image without that church, we will fail. And we have to pause there. You have to come to church like that, asking, God, will you, will you show me the experience of your love? When I heard that testimony, I heard times when I had been overwhelmed by the amazing love of Christ. And then I asked myself, when was the last time I truly saw an experience out like that young man had? And then I heard someone else in our community have a similar experience where it just like, hey, we were praying and the love of Christ just came upon it's the simple things that God wants to do to lead us to him. And God wants to overwhelm us with his love. And once we're overwhelmed with his love, we realize it conquers everything else. We realize that then he becomes the pearl of great prize. Yeah. C.S. Lewis says, putting on Christ is not one among many jobs a Christian has to do. It is not a sort of special exercise for the top class. It's the whole of Christianity. Christianity offers nothing else at all. And as we go from here, and perhaps, Nathan, you can just come up. And, and pray for us as we close. We see in Romans 8, and I was just reminded of this as, as coming to church this morning. That there is no, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And then it talks about how we live and all these other things. Future glories. And then in verse 31 it says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? And actually, actually Nate, I'll just pray over the people if that's okay. So Lord God, we just thank you for this coming season. We thank you for this coming year. And we start out by asking for your transformative love. Lord, I just pray that we would do this thing by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would not move on from first asking you to reveal more of your love, more of your love over our lives. I pray that that, that piece of Romans 8 where it says, who can condemn those who are in Christ Jesus? And Lord God, we pray as we go that we would be image bearers. We indeed already are image bearers of Christ. Our ticket is already sealed. But now we ask for you, Lord, to transform us. We ask you to make us bold enough that we might go, Lord God. 
we ask that we would seek your word and ask what it means for us today. We thank you that you want to reach our city. We thank you, Lord, that you want to pour out your love. It's not a gospel of rules. It's not a gospel of a list of things to do. It's a gospel of the gracious love of Jesus Christ. And we would just pray that you would start overwhelming our city with your love. Just like that young man had from that fashion designer. Lord, overwhelm us with your loving kindness today, we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. I'll hand it back over to you.